Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the phone uh, first from Miami by Rob Cassidy and his new cat. Rob, how's it going today? <laughs> it's, it's going, Mr. Womack. It's going. How are things in Atlanta? Oh, it's it's great. No work. We're still in a cat-free zone here, so so all is well. Uh, Nick, how's it going out there in lovely Austin, Texas? Well, you know, I'm an hour behind you guys right now this morning, so I'm still waking up a little bit. Haven't had my coffee, but I'll I'll try and bring the energy. Yeah, you know, you you two tend to get up early in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I, I consider 9 a.m. early, which is not a good sign for how my life has turned out. But uh, anyway, we're off and running. Reminder: uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Google Play, etc. Contact us, rivalspodcast at yahoo.com. And you can find us on Twitter uh, as well. Send us some questions, give us some stuff you want us to talk about, some feedback. We got a lot of good stuff last week, so keep them coming. Now, boys, uh, we're really halfway through the football season. I can't believe it. I'm almost depressed because I enjoy the fall so much. Uh, but a lot of schools having some early success. You know, uh, programs like Tennessee, Texas A&M, even Nebraska. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, and I'm curious to see what you guys think about this, do some of these schools that are in the top 10 who, who have, you know, 20 people in their class, do they start to think, you know, it's time to trade up a little bit? I mean, if you look at the, the rivals team rankings, you see a lot of teams that are, are, are maybe a little bit lower than, than their corresponding rank or they have a lot of guys – you know, at the bottom of the spectrum in terms of three stars. Uh, Rob, we can start with you. Do you think it's a situation where, where these schools look to cash in and maybe flip some of these guys that are committed to schools that aren't having such a good year? Yeah, I think that's definitely always the natural play, isn't it? You know, it's on a team-by-team basis, I think, for the most part. But, uh, you know, you never really can generalize uh, all of these schools into one boat. Uh, but I think you'll definitely see some of these Midwestern-based schools especially try to, you know, broaden the reach. I mean, you're Nebraska's of the world. Or they're, they're at their best when they're recruiting nationally, right? But so if, if they're running the table like this and they're all of a sudden a national name again, uh, why wouldn't you broaden the reach and try to try to get what you can get and maybe push some of these other guys already in the class that maybe are at the bottom end out? Well, you know, Tennessee, uh, you know, they have, I, I believe, something like 15 three-stars committed, which is a, a high number or way too high if you ask the uh, the Vols fans. Uh, but they blame me, not the coaching staff. They blame the rankings. Um, I, I really – I could see them shedding, you know, five five commits and trying to uh, – an attempt maybe to trade up. I mean, you look at a guy like T.J. Moore who just decommitted from South Carolina, four-star offensive lineman in the Rivals 250. I think they're going to target him. He was a big target of theirs earlier. Um, and, there, and there's a lot of guys like that floating around. So I know some schools or some, some fan bases get kind of, you know, locked in. Hey, we got 25 commits. These are the guys that are underrated, uh, et cetera. But I, I really feel like we're, you know, we're just entering the season where a lot of these kids that have been committed for a long time. Maybe we'll be end up looking around either because, you know, the school that they committed to isn't doing so well and they're having second thoughts or because, you know, the team that, that they committed to is doing too well and they may be kind of left out in the cold. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate for the kids in that situation. But, you know, I guess that's why we need an early signing period. Right, guys? Well, Texas A&M has really been the one, I, you know, I think with the arrow pointed up in, in regards to this. I mean, they just had they just hosted a bunch of kids this past weekend for the the thrilling victory against the Tennessee Volunteers. A uh, number of guys out there, including um, five-star offensive lineman Walker Little and, and his teammates there from Episcopal. I know uh, you know there's there's varying degrees as to 
the level of, of interest maybe uh, Marvin Wilson is showing in the Aggies, uh, depending on who you ask. But with uh, with Walker, you know, I wrote a story on him uh, coming out of this past weekend. I know he was excited for the visit. Obviously, the way the game played out, uh, things sort of helped them. Uh, you know, they they helped themselves. Uh, built their case with him a little bit better and we might see them you know jump in I mean as far as Texas is concerned the success that A&M has uh, seen has really has really helped their case because obviously uh, things are still very much up in the air with Baylor there's a lot of questions surrounding Charlie Strong there's definitely a huge opportunity here uh, for A&M to to really become the the premier team in the state uh, starting this season you know now that things have kind of stabilized out there with the Aggies. Yeah, and the reason why that is probably is because, you know, if you think back a couple episodes at the beginning of the season where everybody was anointing Texas as back and Texas is the best and your boy sitting right here in Miami, Florida said, you know, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here because I think they still stink. And sure enough, they still stink. I just wanted to self-congratulate myself there. And the other thing, too, I mean, the other thing, too, with Texas A&M is, you know, the, the, the kids really love uh, you know, the recruiting pitches they're getting from their coaches there too. I mean, the, the energy that some of those assistant coaches bring uh, to the recruit, you know, to the recruitment of some of these kids is a difference maker as well too. I mean, for all the attention that they got in the off season for various antics here and there, uh, something about something about the way that they, they uh, you know, talk with the kids and show them around really resonates with them too. So, you know, there's a, you know, as, as, as is the case with everything in recruiting, it's never just any one thing, right? It's, it's always a bunch of little ingredients that are adding up to, to much, a much bigger picture. All right, listen, I'm going to go off the grid here. I t- we totally forgot to talk about this. Uh, we're working on our rundown. Last week, you know, the NCAA came out with the, uh, the advisory committee suggesting uh, changes to, to the National Signing Day situation, adding two more signing days, which uh, would put one at the end of June, one in uh, mid-December, which is when the, the junior college players typically sign. You know, personally, I'm I'm not in favor of, of especially the one in June. I mean, it just seems like a disaster with all these kids would be pressured to sign and then, of course, you know, change their mind later. And it'd be I feel like it's a nightmare waiting to happen. I've heard some other people say it's better for the kids because, you know, it saves them a spot in case they get hurt. I want to get your guys' take on that. What do, what do you think? I guess we could start with you, Rob. Do you... What did you think of this situation, not only from, I guess, uh, the, the, the perspective of a, of a recruit, but not only from our perspective in the media, how you think it'll play out? You know, there's good and bad to it. You know, I'm one that always likes to see uh, college coaches get stuck to them. And I think it would be delightful to watch some of these early offers that they make and don't really mean commit to them <laughs> early on and then have to deal with it. That's, uh, you know, that would be a great delight to me. But like you said, it's not great to have these kids under the pressure. Not that they're already not under pressure to sign. Uh, but you know, it would get worse. It would get a lot worse. And then you'd have kids locked in so early to where, you know, a million different things could happen in that span as far as coaching changes or scandals that we've seen, you know, widespread in college football that would really, really, you know, it it would seem that they would, they should logically be let out of their letters of intent. They probably wouldn't be let out if they were locked in. So I'd like to see these early signing periods if it came with a couple different outs for recruits that sign and then everything falls apart and the situation that they signed with, uh, does not end up being the situation that they're asked to play for. I think that if you you allow you know a certain number of outs or a certain number of kind of uh, you know plans to, to to get out of these letters of intent, or then then yes, I'm all for it. But you know you don't like to see these kids locked in early when so much can change. Well, you know I think we 
every year. And then Nick, you'll get a good taste of this uh, coming up this year. Is this your first full year as an analyst? But I mean, every year I think I call Rob in you know late November or early December and be like, why do we even do anything before now? Everything changes because I mean, once these coaches start to change, once late offers come in, it all changes. And I think that's why you want to, That's why you see some of the big time coaches arguing that you know they don't want it because honestly they like to come in at the end and swoop in and, and maybe steal a few guys so nick you you covered basketball as well uh you know not not at the level we're doing this but you know it works in basketball do you think it could work uh for the football players uh you know well the the obvious difference between basketball and football inherently is the uh the player pool right the amount of talent that's made available and i think where the difference uh, between football and basketball is is uh, you know for for, ba- for basketball there's there's many there's much there's much fewer kids that meet the physical uh, I don't know kind of dimensions measurables that that you'd like to have on your team so the earlier that you can get those guys in uh, on a much smaller roster you know the the better it is for everybody uh, with football you know there's there's so many more teams there's so many more options and there's so many more roles for kids to play. Um, and the, and the level of exposure is, 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 it's a different, it's a different animal, you know, the sort of exposure that you get as a football player relative to being a basketball player as well. So, so, I mean, it's, it's not really like an apples to oranges sort of thing, but it is two very different situations. And, you know, I think, I think as far as football goes, when you're talking about, uh, you know, increasing the number of, of signing days, um, you know, while that certainly helps, some some kids, you know, if they don't have that level of exposure uh, that you get from going to the AAU tournaments and, and playing team ball and the way that uh, basketball does with, you know, with the big uh, shoe companies like Nike and Adidas hosting those tournaments, um, you know, you're you're up a creek. And if classes fill up on you and kids are and kids are, are tied to them and you just haven't had the opportunity to to put yourself out there as a football player like you have as a basketball player. Um, you know, you're the one that's SOL and that's, you know, that, that can be kind of sort of an undercurrent that, that might not be, uh, considered quite so much when you're talking about adding these classes, uh, adding these signing dates rather. Look, we all agree that this is going to end up being the haves versus the have nots, right? It's going to be your Nick Sabins and Urban Myers, uh, and you know, USC's of the world, uh, with the facilities and the money and the allure and kind of the mystique that can come in and steal a guy at the end of the period against, you know, these other smaller schools that while they still have nice facilities and everything kind of rely on their ability to uh, evaluate early uh, and and get these kids committed that sometimes they end up decommitting and going to these places like Alabama and Ohio State and USC. Uh, you know, those are the kind of schools that are going to want this. Uh, the schools that think they can get an advantage by getting a kid to sign early before he blows up, so to speak, and ends up on the radars of all these other power schools. Uh, and usually, you know, experience would say that when it is the haves versus the have-nots, uh, the have-nots don't always uh, have a fighting chance to win the battle, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Well, one thing that, that Nick mentioned there was, was the AAU circuit and guys getting exposure or whatever. We There is no, that's not possible in, in football unless they change the rules to allow coaches to attend some of these off-season camps and stuff. I mean, you know, part of this was also limiting satellite camps, so now they're they're actually limiting the number they're, they're limiting the number of players coaches can see uh, even more and then moving the timeline up now if you let coaches go to you know camps like the ones that that rivals has or the the Nike camps if you let coaches go to those okay I could totally see moving it up because that's a longer evaluation window 
but boy, how, how does it, I, I, you know, I just don't think it's going to work. I mean, personally, I, I, I enjoy, obviously, you know, it's my job. It's national signing day, uh, to, to, to have one big day. I think it probably would be easier on us if we had, if we had three days, you know, throughout the year, it'd probably be better for, uh, internet traffic and things of that nature. But, you know, from a perspective, I think, I think personally, uh, even for the kids, uh, you know, even, uh, I, I think it's dumb. I think now the kids that are enrolling early can sign early, which was a nice addition. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. And, and, and a lot of these stories I read said, well, it's going to pass now. Like there was no, it was just kind of a throwaway line in, in every story. So, uh, I guess we're, it's going to pass. That's that. Or do you, you know, Rob, do you think, do you think, the, <laughs> do you think those coaches are going to make a big enough stink that maybe we, it gets tabled and revisited? I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's going to pass right away. I don't think this thing is a done deal. I think that we all know that, you know, Sabins and Myers of the world carry this, you know, they carry some kind of pull in this, you know, they can rally other, you saw it with satellite camps on the first vote. What do you think happened there? Uh, I think <laughs> when those votes came to pass, uh, there were some, there were some good old boy favors done for some of these other coaches. Uh, you know, I think it was almost the same vote. It was haves versus have nots, right? Uh, and of course it ended up getting overturned, but it, man, I just, I, I can't see it as a throwaway line because I don't think everybody's for this. I think, I, I just don't, I, there's no way. All right. Well, I'm glad I added that in there so we could we could talk around it. Um, now, Rob, you were I don't know where you've been. You know, you've been crisscrossing the countryside to uh, watch baseball and the like and getting caught caught in the hurricane. But, uh, you know, right in your hometown, we had the game of the week, Miami and Florida State. Uh, excellent game. Florida State wins on a on a block extra point, which was really crazy to, to, to watch live when it happened, as I assumed it was going to overtime there. My question is now, is this enough for Miami to kind of, you know, continue the momentum they have? It seems like, it seems like the Mark Richt has things turned around and this is a team that's going to be in a position where it can now compete. Um, we know they just, uh, dismissed our boy Sam Bergini and they also lost a, a DB commit a while, a while back. I think it was named Chris Henderson, but you know, is, is Miami in a position to capitalize even though they didn't win the game? Well, I don't think the loss hurts them. I think they're still seen. Like we've talked about so many times on this podcast, recruiting is all about perception and being percepted as either a blue bud or a team with an upward trajectory. And I think that Miami is still seen as a team with an upward trajectory. Uh, everybody thinks Mark Rick has this turnaround. I think it would have helped if they would have won. And I think it would have helped to a lesser extent if they still lose in the same fashion, but everybody still thinks Florida State is good. Uh, I think there's definitely questions right now about exactly how good of a Florida State team that was. Uh, you know, like I said, though, that's not going to hurt Miami. I think that, uh, you know, the, the reputation or the perception is still the same of them. Uh, and, you know, the longer that they get with this kind of uh, mystique of here's a program returning to prominence, uh, they're going to be fine. I think that you'll see it slowly. This isn't something that changes overnight where every kid in the state is rushing to sign with Miami. But I think you're starting to feel the tide turn slowly where people are thinking that it is once again safe again to strongly consider Miami if you're a high four or five star commit from the state of Florida where it seemed like for so many years that it was automatically either you're leaving the state to go to Clemson or Alabama or somewhere or you're signing with Florida State. Uh, that seems to maybe be changing slowly. We'll see. I don't think it'll happen this signing day. I think that maybe you'll see a hint of it this signing day. I think next signing day will be the time that we can really judge you know, how, how the tide has turned in the state. Yeah, I think just from the tangibles, you know, the outside perspective, 
it seems like, I mean, they're winning games. They're blowing people out. I mean, you know, you lose that game 20 to 19. It's, it stinks, you know, in terms of it was a heartbreaker, but you had a ton of recruits there. The stadium was full and, and, you know, upgrading that stadium really helped. I think that's one thing that has cost them is, you know, maybe some, they don't have the type of facilities that some of these other schools have. The, the stadium is so far from campus. It's kind of a pain. Um, but but to have the fan support and to play a game like that the way they did, and, you know, unfortunately for them, you know, their quarterback got a molar knocked out, which was insane to see on TV. But I, but I think they've got a chance to really capitalize. I think, like you said, it may not be this year. And that's what some people forget. The big bump is generally the next season uh, because – you know, by the time you you are ten and zero in November, you know ninety percent of your class is done, and you're working on next year. So, I think, like you said, next year maybe they can they can reel in a bunch of these guys, especially if they have that Miami attitude uh, back in full force. Should I read a a text message I I got from a well? Uh, maybe I could give the cliff notes of a text message from a parent that uh, had brought had brought a, a unnamed player on an unofficial visit there to the game. Uh, yeah. absolutely absolutely just, yeah. just so you guys can get the feel they say they said it was an electrifying experience uh the experience was electrifying on saturday night the entire staff embraced us heavily uh hate that they came up short but they're clearly on their way to being back to being a dominant force and coach mark Richt is an awesome genuine guy so if we're talking about pressing the buttons uh you know that it seems it seems like they're they're doing that uh, result aside from this past weekend. Yeah, there you have it. Did they say anything about the trash in the parking lot? Boy, Florida State fans are really making a big deal out of how trash the parking lot was. It, it's so funny. This is the most petty rivalry, and I've been around rivalries that are petty. It is so petty with these two. I mean, it's amazing to just watch these fans bicker on Twitter. And Florida State's big talking point is, look how trashy your fan base is. You trashed your parking lot and didn't clean it up. Yeah, that's what the, that's what the custodial staff is for, you know. Get out of here. Oh, oh, yeah, it is, a, it is a lame. There's a lot of lame. As as I found out last week on Twitter, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of lames down there with uh, the inability to come up with a good comeback. So it's not surprising to hear the two of them being uncreative as they go back and forth. Now, uh, Nick, I wanted to talk to you about this. Sam Ellinger, Texas quarterback commit, hurt his thumb, I guess, out for the season. Already had hurt his knee, right? Or the last time you went to see him in the first or first or second game of the season, he had a situation where he had some sort of uh, what do you call it a, men- a meniscus uh, problem, Sim- similar to a injury that I suffered myself out on the out on the hard fields of adult league soccer here in Austin, Texas. But <laughs> but as you can, as you all know, I've I've rebounded quite nicely, and so did Sam, and he came out there, and uh, his most recent his most recent injury is a is a thumb injury, and uh, you know my my. My quick uh, understanding of things is that he could potentially be back for the playoffs. I mean, this, you know, the, the problem with Sam is that he he's he's so much of a, uh, you know, so, some of these kids we, we come across, and I'm sure you guys have your share of, of these type of recruits too, you know, they're already, they're already in like the polished, you know, big time college athlete, pro athlete mindset where it's like, I got to, I got to get out there for my guys. I got to be a leader, you know, play, play at all costs. And it's, you know, it's like, man, your, your, your future is already set for you right now. You know, you're, you're the, in, in Sam's case, you know, he's obviously the crown jewel of Texas's class right now. He's a, he's a top 100 player in the country for us. 
you know, at some point you kind of have to, you know, you kind of have to, to wait. I, I mean, I understand wanting to have a, a high school career that you can look back on regardless of what happens in your college or potentially pro career. And you can say, you know what, I really had some glory days back there, you know, in, in my high school years and all that. But, but I mean, at some point, you know, there's, there's, there's gotta be a level of perspective. I don't know if that comes from the parents, a coach, uh, you know, one of the recruiting uh, coaches for the school that you're committed to in Sam's case that kind of says, hey, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. We don't need you, you know, getting too, ding- you know, we, we don't want too much uh, on the damaged good sides uh, before you coming out to campus. I mean, we're getting we're getting to a point with some of these kids where it's like I said, I mean, it's 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 really they've, they've accelerated their their attitude towards, pl- you know, getting out on the field as far as you know, whether it's high school, college, pro, whatever the situation is, the attitude's all the same. Yeah, right? and, and you mentioned, you know, he's he's ranked in the top 100, and, and that's what I kind of wanted to talk about. We have a lot of situations where, you know, you head into the fall, and players who are ranked high have big seasons. I mean, spoiler alert, guess what? If you're the 190th player in the country and you're a running back, you better have games where you rush for 300 yards. You know, I have fan bases tweeting me stats. It's like, yeah, great. I mean, good. You had four sacks. Well, you're supposed to have four sacks. You're the third best linebacker in the country. So, uh, but then we have a situation like Sam's where he's out for the year. How much, you know, I guess, Rob, we can talk to you about this. How much, you know, how do you balance kind of weighing somebody who had a productive senior year with somebody like Sam who maybe, you know, suffered a few injuries and, and was out? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I know that I know that we don't have a hard and fast rule, but what's your kind of approach to that? Now, my approach is that unless it's you know a second injury or a devastating injury that is going to impact them going down, I don't really necessarily advocate dropping a player in the rankings for being injured. Uh, I don't mind moving guys in front of them. Uh, to your point, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is insane. Like people are no matter where they're ranked. Like let's say the number two player in the country is a running back and rushes for 300 yards, people use that as fuel. Well, you know, he's he's underrated. Well, he's the number two player in the country. Yeah, he's supposed to run for 300. You can't just move guys up because they do well um, in a high school game, and especially when it comes to, you know, levels of competition. Like, look, stats mean very little in high school football as far as college projections go, right? I think we can all agree on that. Um, so, you know, it's all about seeing them and seeing the film. And then of course those rankings mean, so everybody thinks that we just like snap our fingers and make a guy the number one player in the country. Uh, as far as state fans love to yell at me about that, but you know, it is a process. It is a discussion. It is, you know, a whole thing. Anybody that's ever been on those calls, uh, knows that it's not just one man's opinion. Well, Adam Friedman may disagree with you, but in Sam's case too, in Sam's case too, it's a little bit different too because he's a quarterback, right? I mean, you know, the high the high level quarterbacks we all know look to commit, you know, at some point during that junior season. He was obviously in the fold with Texas beforehand. I mean, the different the difference between. Uh, you know, a kid that's committed, and then, and you know, and then this past off season, you know, impressed at, at events like the Elite Eleven and the in the opening thereafter, and uh, you know, so so I don't think there was the level of worry as far as you know what this means for Sam relative, uh, you know, to some uncommitted guys, even if they are you know a highly ranked kid, um, you know, if a kid's uncommitted and you know and is still looking at trying and trying to get a few offers. Uh, of course, you know, people in his camp, whether it's his parents or coaches or whatever, are going to send you, you know, send us all the stats saying, you know, this kid needs to be uh, get get a boost or a bump in the rankings because he's doing well. Um, you know, in Sam's case, you know, I, I, I would, 
I would err on the side of, of patience with him, you know, on, because of the fact that, you know, he's been committed and, and, uh, you know, seemed to have had his situation set up nicely for him, you know, injuries withstanding. Well, look, he may, the way, the way that some of these high level quarterbacks are playing, at least in this neck of the woods, he may end up moving up despite, <laughs> despite being hurt because people are going to move behind him. Well, yeah, that, that, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the Georgia fans have been hammering me on Jake Fromm and cause he's having a good year statistically and then he comes out this week and plays a team with several D1 prospects and has six turnovers. Now, because he had that bad game, am I going to drop him now in the rankings? No, but I mean, it, it just it just shows that, you know, you can't put the cart before the horse there. And yeah, some guys are going to put up big numbers, but, you know, if a quarterback has, you know, if, if Davis Mills has 1,800 yards passing and someone else has 3,000, it doesn't mean that you know, they're uh, necessarily a better college prospect. It just means that, you know, maybe they play in an offense where they're allowed to throw the ball more. So I look forward to the December rankings where we're going to get killed. I mean, killed by the fans. Um, So, boy, we got to talk about this. I didn't want to, but we have to. LSU in Florida, they canceled their game because of uh, Hurricane Matthew, and all hell is broken loose. I mean, every SEC fan base is weighed in on it. We saw Butch Jones uh, even come out and, and complain about it before their game against Texas A&M, which I thought was really weird uh, to suggest, you know, to talk about your team potentially losing two games and how it could affect them. Um, we don't know if they're going to reschedule it. I thought it was interesting from a recruiting perspective, though, LSU turned the weekend. They had several visitors come to campus uh, and ended up making it a recruiting weekend. I don't know what Florida did if some of the kids ended up still making it in or not, especially because the storm wasn't as bad. But uh, from a recruiting perspective, this could be a big loss for Florida. Rob, you and I talked to several kids who were planning on coming for, for the game. How bad do you think Florida needs this weekend in terms of, you know, it being a showcase for them to uh, several top recruits in 2017 and 2018? Uh, you know, they need to start, you know, looking better playing football games more than anything else at the current moment. Uh, but, you know, it, it combined with other things is not going to be great. You know, you hate to lose a home game where you can, especially a big home game like that one, where you can bring in a ton of kids, show the atmosphere off, uh, you know, a game that, could have actually probably not maybe it could have been winnable for them, um, and so it hurts in that in that respect. But I don't think it, it will cripple them as long as they turn it around on the field and start looking like a decent football team. That's you know one A for Florida right now is kind of after all the expectations it built by the hot start last year under McElwain. This was supposed to be the year it took the next step, and they've kind of stutter started. Uh, and I think that that's the bigger issue. But when you combine the two things, obviously it snowballs, like everything else in recruiting. It's a combination of factors. I know we say that over and over and over on this. And I think the reason we do say that over and over on this podcast is because other people out there sometimes make it seem like, you know, everything, you know, you get one big win and all of a sudden every kid in the country is going to commit to you. It's, you know, it's all, it's all a combination of things and it's all subtle. And, uh, but those two things combined are not good for Florida. That's for sure. You know, it's weird to hear these athletic directors and the, and the and the commissioner kind of going back and forth. It, it's pretty simple. I mean, the commissioner is just going to have to say what's going to happen, and that's that. I mean, I don't. You know, it, it, the, the, this is the posturing between these two sides is unbelievable. I mean, this it, it's really become something. I mean, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, Paul Feinbaum. It's fueling his radio show for for weeks now. And, and and I don't you know I don't blame him for talking about it, but at, at some point you know figure it out, adjust the schedule. You know this whole thing in the SEC about you know we can't play three SEC games in a row in November. No, that's what every conference does. Guess what? 
the the Big 12, the Pac-12, they play nine conference games. You play eight. So guess what? Move the schedule around. You shouldn't be playing South Alabama in the middle of November anyway. I got news for you. So, uh, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of it, especially with, you know, unfortunately how, how mediocre the SEC East has looked this season. You know, these excuses about we can't play other SEC teams in the middle of the season, I mean, you know, sorry, it's got to change. So now I'm mad about it. You guys made me mad. But you don't even really need to limit that mediocre comment to the East anymore, do you? Like, <laughs> that whole league outside of like Alabama and possibly even Ole Miss has looked pretty meh. Well, it doesn't have, it doesn't have, well, you know, well, Texas A&M's undefeated still, but the, the, the league doesn't have the, the, you know, maybe the depth or the, the, several elite teams at the top that, that it has in recent years. And I know everyone thinks we're Southeast homers because we live here, but neither one of us is from, you know, the, from the Southeast. So we don't have a problem calling it like I am. Uh, Well, (laughs) Nick, you don't care. You live in Texas. You're not perceived as a homer. You're you're out there eating brisket or whatever it is you do. Nobody, nobody thinks you're a homer. Everybody here is assumed I'm a Florida fan. Yeah, have a diet Dr. Pepper and be quiet, Nick, please. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that, that wraps that up. Let's roll in now to uh, Commitment Issues Conversation. This week's interview, guys, we got some reality TV stars on the horn. Uh, ben and Aaron Napier, uh, you know, home improvement experts. We're going to talk a little bit of tailgating and a little bit of Ole Miss football, see what they have to say about that. Did you ask Ben how to uh, fix my oven by any chance? Or Aaron, for that matter. It's really giving me a bunch of crap, so I could use some advice. They're not appliance repair well, they people. Can help they you remodel the... houses. Well, it's the same. Yeah, thing. <laughs> It's all the same. Call Maytag. They, they, can, they can give you some good recipes for that uh, big green egg you have out back. I know they're, they're high on that thing. So, uh Let's listen to them talk to me about stuff I don't know anything about, and then uh, we'll come back to the rest of the show. All right, we welcome in a special guest this week, Aaron and Ben Napier, joining us on behalf of Bank of America to talk a little football, talk a little bit of tailgating and stuff like that as well. How are you guys doing today? We're good. You doing all right? Yeah, actually, uh, on my way to Nashville, I had to, had to pull off on the side of the road. We're chasing down kids' commitments as that's uh, that time of year we're in the middle of football season. Um, first, why don't you guys start by telling us a little bit about what you're doing with Bank of America uh, and uh, and why you had the opportunity to join us today. So we're, uh, Ann and I are, we're doing all these DIY tips, showing people how to do different little DIY tips. We're, we're the host of HGTV's hometown, and part of our show is um, showcasing um, using, you know, projects that anybody can do to really design your home nicely and save money. Yeah. And save money. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And that's why most people become DIYers. They're trying to save money where they can. And so, um, Bank of America, you know, they were gracious enough to bring us on board. They thought we'd be a good fit for that. And, uh, yeah, because the Bank of America card, cash awards card, you get cash back every time you use it to buy the things that you need, you know, groceries, gas. So it was a good fit. Like we like saving money and getting money back. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but that, that commercial you're on airs almost every break between uh, college football games when you're watching on ESPN3. Has, has, has that helped you guys' celebrity or you realize how – I mean, I feel like I, we've been setting this interview up for two weeks, but I've seen that commercial about 100 times uh, during the last few weeks of college football. We never, ever, ever see the commercials. I don't know, like, what we're doing wrong, but, <laughs> like – Whatever we watch, it does not feel like we're good candidates for watching Ben and Aaron 
Do the DIY too. Yeah, and it's, so, <laughs> it's funny because, like... What it has amounted to is friends we haven't seen in years and years sending us text messages out of the blue, like, yeah. holy cow, was that you on the commercial this time? My mom, like, so we, we you know, filmed this HGTV show, and it was, you know, great, you know, but it was, it was like, in her mind, it was on par with, like, my nephew learning how to walk or something. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Well, your nephew started walking today. I was like, oh, thanks, Mom. Cool. And then she saw the Bank of America, the Bank of America card commercial. And then suddenly this was a big deal. And like, she was really excited. Now she's, yeah, she's pop. So, <laughs> so our celeb status has increased with our mothers, at least. Well, like I said, college football fans have, have seen it a million times. The, the question is, did you – uh, now Ben, did you really have all those trophies that you made into that got made into a coat rack, or was that? Uh... I've got a few, but I wouldn't let them use mine. Yeah, his trophies are somewhere in a box, like Just probably like, yeah. in our garage. <laughs> I don't even know how to get to them. Well, it's, so like my parents' house, my parents are preachers, and they moved around a lot. And so, like when I went to college, they moved three more times. And so they just quit unpacking my stuff. And so it's like, it's boxed up somewhere at their house. So. Who knows? Okay, I was going to say I would have been sad to see those. Uh, yeah, because I have some old Little League trophies and stuff like that. I don't I couldn't, I don't think I could part with them uh, or, or watch them get get taken apart like that. So so you guys live in Mississippi. You mentioned uh, the show you did for, for HGTV or maybe you're still doing. Um, you guys get out to the Grove. Are you, are you big old Miss fans? I know you guys both went there. Yeah, so we uh, we graduated in '07, and Aaron grew up in Laurel, Mississippi. And um, when we were dating in college, we came and visited Laurel a lot. And so when we graduated, we both found jobs near here, and it was just a really good fit for us to move home. And that's what our show centers around. It's uh, so hometown. It's it's about our hometown and making a small town. Um, these new people were helping them make a small town their hometown. And um, we do get to go with Ole Miss a little bit. We actually took our production crew up there. Yeah, we took a bunch of folks from Canada and L.A. and New York who have never been to a college football game, but they definitely had never seen anything like Ole Miss Alabama in the Grove. That was maybe too much for their yeah, I think it was, small experience. I think it was a little overwhelming. Um, we should have done like a my, maybe the Wofford game or something. I don't know. It, <laughs> was, it was it was intense. Yeah, yeah, you guys. Uh, that was a crazy game. I, I guess Old Miss came, didn't uh, didn't come out on top there. But I mean, for someone who doesn't know, you know, we we hear the recruits talk about it a lot. That that you know they get taken through the Grove. What is what is a fan maybe who's who has never been there? What do they need to know about how crazy that atmosphere is and and why it makes Old Miss kind of a special place? Well, um, it's you know the Ole Miss, the Grove at Ole Miss. It's it's a mecca of tailgating, but there are no tailgates. Yeah, that was something they were not prepared for. There's yeah. literally not a single tailgate. It's chandeliers and tents and big spreads and silver platters and pearls and heels and so that's hard to prepare people for. They've never seen anything like it before. And it's best. Aaron and I have done it before where we didn't know anybody because, you know, we grew up, you know, or grew up. We In college, we tailgated with our friends in the Grove, but 
um, when we graduated, when we first graduated, we didn't know a lot of people who had tents. And it's best to like plan ahead to have a few places where you're gonna home base. Yeah, some home bases. Yeah, like or, or at least one. And it's good etiquette to let them know that their tent yeah. is gonna be your home base. Um, and so you know that it's good because I mean it is. It's it's a lot of places, a lot of people. And, um, you know, there's a lot that you want to see while you're there. You want to see the, the Walk of Champions. You want to see the Pep Rally. Um, but, you know, then and you may want to go to the gift shop and get you a shirt or something. But if you have that home base, because it is easy to get lost. We went with um, 15 people, and so that's easier than – it's easier to lose them, you know, somebody. And we, we lost a couple, but we found them. We know nobody was left behind. Um, yeah. But it's – it's uh, it's nice, yeah, to have that place where everybody can meet back up. You guys have any thoughts on how they've been doing this year? I mean, I know that you you went to that game, they lost, they kind of bounced back since then. Man, I'm done? telling you, uh, it's a, a heck of a heck of a first half team, ain't they? Yeah, that was yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, well, I mean, compared to when you guys were in school, though, I mean, you know, they've they've been they've been ranked, you know, around the top ten, top fifteen. It has to be kind of. Uh, you guys got to be a little bit jealous to think that, you know, maybe you missed out on that stuff. We were there for the Kojo years. Not a lot of victories happened when we were yeah. in school. And my dad, bless his heart, he's just like the world's biggest diehard Ole Miss fan, and he just lives for it, like, all year long. All he, He's like a kid waiting for Christmas. He just talks about it and analyzes the the people that are getting, like, yeah. In the in the draft, and he he tells us all about it. Like he he strategizes how we're going to beat this team, and this team probably won't beat this one, but if we do, it's okay because we could still win the West. Like he is so fired up about it, and yeah. so when they're like not doing great, oh, I hate it for Daddy. It just kills him. Yeah, you have to send him over to rebelgrove.com. That's our old Miss site, so there'll be a lot of them listening. He might already be be over there because they follow that stuff. Uh, sure. I'm sure, yeah. He... That's what he does on his lunch break every day. Well, well. so, you know, just before we, we get out of here, why don't, you know, where can people go to find more information, I guess, about you guys and, and the show and then, of course, about, uh, you know, the deal with Bank of America? Yeah, um, you guys can visit bankofamerica.com slash getcashback. Or Aaron writes a blog every day, and there's a lot of stuff about Ole Miss and tailgating and Bank of America on that. And it's it's our website, which is AaronAndBen.co, and then her blog is on her journal. Yeah. Okay, well, I really, really appreciate you guys taking the time to join us here on the Commitment Issues Podcast, and uh, we'll be watching the Rebels closely for you as the season moves along. Howdy, howdy. Okay, thanks so much. Now it's time for the Tweet of the Week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Rob, you picked this week's tweet. Go ahead and uh, take it away for us. Yeah, uh, Jordan Griffin's mother, who Jordan Griffin is a freshman at Kentucky right now, and we all know th- things are not going uh, as swimmingly for Mr. Stoops over there in Kentucky as everybody assumed they were. And uh, her name is Judy Griffin, and she tweeted after uh, you know some fans had gone after him, and Coach Stoops came out in a press conference on Monday and talked about how the toxic attitude doesn't help the team. Uh, she added to that and tweeted the following quote, Stoops is right, five exclamation points. This is my son's first year in no way in uh, H-E-L-L-L. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know if I can say that on here. We get reprehended. Well, he Woody to already did that okay, once. No, so. <laughs> there you go. And no way in hell he would have accepted this offer knowing the negativity of these fans. Never, five exclamation points. Uh, she has since deleted the tweet, uh, but she's been going back and forth 
with Kentucky fans about the tweet on her Twitter account. Uh, I guess my question to you guys is, do we believe this? Um, I, I think that it's easy in hindsight. Like, we would have never committed here if we knew these fans were this bad. But, I mean, you did, right? Like, everybody knows college football fans are crazy. It's just that the grass is greener on the other side. And then once you are a part of it, it's terrible. Uh, I think that you ask any recruit right now, hey, do you know there are fans from your school on Twitter that are mean when your team loses? They'd be like, yeah, I know that. So, you know, I don't know if I believe what she's saying here. Uh, but, you know, I understand, I understand the uh, frustration. Well, and you know what? What hurts for them is that uh, you know he really got a ton of interest late in the game, uh, and it could have gone to several schools. He could be at Auburn right now. He they elected to go there, and I, I think what kills them, or, uh, you know, particularly a DB, is you know fans maybe tweeting at you directly or blaming you, especially when you're a true freshman out there playing. So, you know, I think. Unfortunately, with with you know in today's social media era, you know these moms and, and parents, they end up getting thrown into the spotlight. And we saw Nick Chubb's dad say Nick Chubb wasn't going to play, and then and then Kirby Smart played Nick Chubb one play, almost as like a message, which I thought was really weird. Uh, but that's the situation we're in. Is you know the, the parents could go out and talk, and maybe they think they're saying something that's just to their friends and family. Next thing you know, we're talking about it on you know our, with our massive audience. Wait, so, are you saying that? Uh, are you saying that the older generation doesn't understand the internet? Wow. Well, but it's not yeah, just I, that. I mean, <laughs> just, I just like just like crazy knucklehead fans have the the right to uh, try and directly reach out to the players themselves with their varying opinions on their performances and whatnot. You know, parents have the right to sound off and try and defend. I mean. You know, as to whether or not... Oh, a thousand, a thousand percent. I agree completely. My my take was with her saying that we would have never committed here had we known the fans and this negativity. It's like, well, you, how did you not know this is what happens on the internet? I mean, when schools right. lose, like, <laughs> yeah. you went through the recruiting process. At this point, the recruiting process kind of plays out on the internet these days. You see this happen. You know this is a possibility, so don't give me this. We would never have committed here had we known because you knew and you did it anyway. Uh, I'm going to throw in a quick tweet real real fast as I uh, – I really – part of our job involves, you know, following several of these prospects on Twitter, which then uh, gives you a chance to witness, you know, teenage interactions, which is, is a lot different than we were when we were in high school. And uh, our boy Patrick Queen, who's committed to LSU, a linebacker, uh, you know, one of his classmates, uh, a young lady, tweeted, "I love my French class." Yeah, that's a that's and, a nice uh, sentiment. Yeah, yeah. See, look, she's happy about, and then you know what Patrick replies to her says, "Nobody cares." <laughs> and then, <laughs> right, and then and then she replies back, "You care enough to comment on it." So, yeah, I feel like I feel like she got him there. Went on for a couple more tweets. Went on for a couple more tweets, but I really laughed at. Uh, I really laughed at that, and I can only imagine the kind of trouble I would get in uh, with uh, both sexes if uh, I were in high school with the ability to tweet stuff about people or make fun of people nonstop because I already get enough trouble doing it now. So anyway, that wraps up tweet of the week. Now it's time for the game of the week. Last week, Tennessee at Texas A&M. Uh, we jumped on the line when it was Texas A&M minus 6.5. And guess what? Ding, ding, ding. We all hit. Uh, I got Rob's pick off the air, Nick, just to be sure. Nick now 3-2 and two on the year. Rob and I 4-1. and one. So if people were actually listening to our picks and then taking our advice, 
they'd be uh, they'd be doing pretty well. So, so guess what? We're we're riding with Tennessee again this week. Alabama at Tennessee, and guess what? As of uh, this podcast, Alabama a thirteen point favorite. Let's start with you, Nick. That's a big spread. That's a whole lot of points out there. What do you think? That is tough. It's a tough road game. Tennessee's feeling feeling the burn after this past week. You know, a little downtrodden, I imagine, after you know coming in and playing in a big environment here in College Station and you know taking the L. Man, uh, man, uh, you guys go first. It come back to me. All right, yeah, this is, uh, go ahead. You go first, Woody. Yeah, I'll go first because, you know, uh, first of all, you know, you mentioned that was a heartbreaking loss for Tennessee. They had several injuries, and I think that has a lot to go, you know, into this. We mentioned last week kind of being a body blow game with them taking a lot of hits and and maybe not being able to stand up. It was a crazy game last week. Uh, Tennessee's just got some – they got some crazy luck, you know. Things have been going their way. It's been one of those years, and guess what? I'm going to take them to cover that spread, and I think there's a good chance that they could win this game just because – they got that X factor, and they, last year's game against Alabama was very close. Uh, that was at Alabama. I feel like Tennessee, you know, maybe they found something in Alvin Kamara. He had a great game. So uh, I'm taking the Vols to, to cover that spread. Rob, what do you think? Boy, oh boy, I will take some strong, fast, deep athletic players over whatever X factor is any day of the week. I got Alabama to cover this thing in the Rob Cassidy lock of the week. Uh, I think they win by. I think they win by at least 17. Uh, I don't think it's close. Tennessee has gotten so many breaks. Tennessee is a good football team. Uh, Tennessee is not at the level of Alabama yet, and as far as talent goes. So I think Tennessee's X factor perishes to Alabama's big, strong, fast guys, and I got the tide to cover. All right, Nick, what do you got? What was uh, – I, I think I'm going to go with Alabama too. What What was their score last week when they went to did, – didn't they play at Arkansas and beat them by a couple of scores? Yeah, I know there was a lot of a lot of people were picking Arkansas. A lot of people to, were picking Arkansas to cover or win outright. Alabama went in there and and hushed the uh, the masses. I think they can do it again uh, this week. You know, after surviving similar circumstances last week, so I'll I'll go with Alabama as well. Okay, so we got some uh, varying picks here. This is a chance to uh, to maybe mix things up. Alabama won by nineteen last week at uh, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So uh, there you have it. So um, all right. Uh, now we move on. Rants and recommendations back and better than ever. And uh, boy, we got a lot of rants on the old rundown this week. Not a lot, not a lot of wrecks. Uh, anybody want to start us off with something positive? You guys got anything? No, I don't have any recommendations. I haven't had much positivity in my life between flying to New York to watch the Mets lose in a nine inning <laughs> game. Uh, anything else? Nothing good has happened to me. I'm just upset at the world. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I. <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot of recommendations either. I went, you know, I mentioned Allie's Cookies last week, which has become my famous, my favorite uh, place to eat in the entire world, which is not good for my health. Uh, Nick, you got anything out there in old Texas? Uh, you know, I guess maybe what I'll do is I'll I'll just tell a story. It wasn't, it's not really a rant or a recommendation so much as just a, a personal experience, and then I'll let you guys uh, say whatever you want to say. Uh, you know, as as many people know, the past two weeks here in Austin, Austin City Limits, the famed music festival, uh, several you know several uh, headlining acts, most notably Kendrick Lamar was somebody a lot of the kids were excited for. I wasn't there for that weekend. I went on the final day uh, this past Sunday there. Um, one of the one of the acts, of course, the immortal Willie Nelson, who uh, many people were oh, very man. excited to see. Like, so w- w- Willie Nelson at a music festival, I bet there were no drugs at all at that thing. Uh, you know, there the the air was thick with varying aromas. I won't uh, speculate as to which kind, but um, 
anyway, so, you know, he comes, he comes up on stage, everybody's, you know, the crowd is raucous, everybody's waiting to, you know, to, to hear him play and all that. And, uh, I was too. It's, 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 it's really cool. Every time you see somebody, uh, that, you know, that you've seen for, I mean, I'm 31 years old now. I spent a, a significant part of, uh, part of my life, you know, seeing him in magazines, TV shows, you know, pictures and the like. And, you know, it's, it's always cool when you spend that much time seeing somebody, knowing they exist, but then actually seeing them in person. Uh, from that point of view, you know, things were, things were very cool. But guys, I don't, I don't know, man. It might be time to hang up the guitar for old Willie as far as... <laughs> I mean, they, there must have been six people as part of his band and every single person playing an instrument seemed like they were on their own agenda. Like the whole thing was, was really just a uh you know just just a separate it, it was a collection of individuals and and Willie was leading the way and uh you know it was it was cool to see him he still has some you know he still has some twang in the fingers to play the guitar but when it's not really syncing up with the other five members of your band it was a little difficult to, to swallow on some yeah. level yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got a feeling this is going to offend our southern listeners and maybe not a fan of it and maybe even you guys too but everybody has blind spots in the world right I, I don't think I know a Willie Nelson song. Like I'm sitting here trying to think okay, of one. And come like, on, you know "On the Road Again." Get out of here. Okay, see, I do know that song, but I did not know that Willie Nelson. I did not know okay. that was a Willie Nelson song. Well, well the, thing, the thing you, with you would... Will, the thing with Willie is is one of these old school, you know, country folk singers from way back in the days. You know, there there's like there's really a collection of of songs that they all play in their own style. So I mean, there were a lot of recognizable songs that he played. Uh, that you would have heard varying artists perform, but when I yeah, when I think of Willie Nelson, I think of like I'm sure there are a million times I've been in some like CD dive bar somewhere, and a Willie Nelson song has come on the jukebox, and I know it, and I tap my foot to it, but I never have identified it as hey, that's Willie Nelson. Uh, you know, he just sounds like every other dude that's like Willie Nelson adjacent. <laughs> okay, all right, boy, you, you're right. I'm now I'm mad at you about all these comments, <laughs> and I don't even <laughs> like Willie just... Nelson that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he has a unique sound. I, I'm always with you, Willie. I know when Nick and I uh, made our road trip uh, to move him to Austin, we listened to, to Willie Nelson several times uh, on, on my road trip soundtrack <laughs> to keep us awake in our 20-hour voyage. <laughs> um, I got something to complain about. Speaking of, Rob Cassidy recently got a cat, as we've mentioned several times. What's the name of the cat, by the way, Rob? Uh, Shea. It's named after uh, the old stadium at Cityfield. Oh, oh, I thought I thought I thought you said Che like Che Guevara. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> That'd be a really cool cat name. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, so so Nick and I got talking to this on the phone yesterday. People who make social media accounts for their animals, what what's wrong with you? Like where where, where did you go wrong? If you if you sit down and you know I'm sure your wife Rob has taken a lot of pictures of this cat, which is fine. Cats are cute, but if she if she starts a, an account for the cat and then tells other people to follow, hey hey, you got to follow Shay on Instagram. It's really funny, as I believe some one of Nick's friends recently told no, me about a dog. No, I don't know what you're talking it's about. Really <laughs> now, this is a this is a widespread thing, right? Like I've seen this. Like, it, it, and I have never said. Obviously, I don't have an Instagram. Um, but people have Twitters for their animals. I've seen these; they exist. It's very strange. Well, the, yeah, I mean, the Twitter's even worse. As I, as I told Nick yesterday, if the cat could actually take your phone and tweet, okay, I'm in. You know, <laughs> if it taps with this pause and can write stuff out, I'd be really impressed with that. But for you 
to be so insane that you talk and you're, ooh, I'm a kitty. I like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. You're, you're insane. That's it. You go into Woody's mental institution program, which is, you know, we'll save that for a whole other episode. But yeah, you know, I think you that, have that, mental that problems. That podcast will get you fired. Yeah, yeah, I think you have mental problems at that point, and it's time to, uh, you know, see, see a therapist or something. And you know, uh, you know, Nick and I used to work with a girl down at the Naples Daily News, and I believe she's got one for her turtle, she's got one for the dog, she's got one for the cat. I mean, she's got T-shirts with the cat on it. Uh, it ain't, it's not working, people. <laughs> you you got to stop. I can't, I can't. I'm, mean, I'm so mad now between you talking about Willie Nelson and now me thinking about people's cats uh having instagram oh, hold on. going back to the willie nelson thing i'm not like saying that willie nelson is bad i just don't i i'm not familiar with like names of his songs like i don't i just like a blind spot <laughs> all right go ahead rob you're you're complaining now about whatever you want to complain about I, i'm not really complaining about it as much as it's like eh. i'm a little uncomfortable with the whole ken bone phenomenon uh from the debate from the presidential debate where you know if you're not familiar and i'm sure you are if you live anywhere near the internet, uh, this balding uh, gentleman uh, in a off-brand red sweater appeared to ask a question about uh, you know the environment, and he kind of caught on as a meme, uh, which tends to happen. But I feel like there's an underlying like, and you know everybody is oh this guy's the greatest guy in the world, blah blah blah. But I feel like there's this like undertone of kind of mean spirited like we need to ask ourselves why have we made this guy a meme? Why is everybody obsessed with this guy? Uh, and I think it's because of the way he looks. Um, and I'm not sure it's a very positive thing, the way that, that people are, or at least kind of the connotation of, of why that's happened. And I'm a little uncomfortable with how mean-spirited it's been. Uh, but nobody will come right out and say, hey, uh, we're laughing at this guy because he's bald and overweight. But, I mean, really, that's what's happening, right? Like, that's the reason he's a meme. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to get to... I don't want to get too much into it for fear of us veering into political grounds, but I have a feeling that, you know, if maybe one of the candidates were making fun of him the same way uh, social media is making fun of him, uh, there would be outrage instead of uh, laughter. So, I, I, you know, it's lame. The whole point is it's corny. It's not that funny, which, you know, as the, like you texted me the other day, Rob, that it's the Sharknado of, of uh you know, the, the, this election or whatever. And I agree. It's just like, so you're trying too hard, you know, cool. The guy, you know, the guy's a nerd. Congratulations. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to make fun of him. And he's got, you know, he seems to be enjoying it. He told a story about how he was supposed to wear a suit and he was so fat. He ripped through the pants. And I mean, you know, no, it's kind good, of good for him for, for me, capitalizing really. on it. I was going to say, you know, there's, that, you know, there's there's a level of responsibility for the the public. There's a level of responsibility to yourself. If you know you're going to make yourself a target by going on national television and looking the way that you look, you know that's on you. <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> yeah, that's on you, Coach. Uh, by the way, I was watching Last Chance You uh, last night, and uh, Rob, I don't know if you watched it. Nick, you watched it already, correct? I, I watched it. Uh, a little bit. I I don't know how I feel. I've about seen it. it. Well, so anyway, the first episode, the, the D-line coach is really getting on this guy, and he and the, the coach let it be known that if if the player didn't do well, it was on him, and the coach even said, that's not on me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, for, 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 Man, for a coach Man, if coach, coach says out, it's not on him, then it's, it's really on you. <laughs> yeah, Cause, that, that's... Because coach that's, will always put it on him if he can. 
<laughs> no, not this guy. Unless he's no. Brian Kelly, who, who would never put it on him. Yeah, not a, yeah, exactly. No, not Brian Kelly or Mark Helfrich. Mark Helfrich uh, also having some issues with the blame game. Uh, when we can talk about that next week, we got plenty of time to talk about those teams being bad. That wraps it up. Boy, hey, hey uh, Rob, you missed last week's episode, but we continue to get music submissions for people wanting me to play their music on the show. So, uh, But guess what? We're loyal to M. Deuce here. Follow him on SoundCloud. Uh, he's got all kinds of, uh, you know, I don't know. What's the term to refer to beats? Uh, fresh? <laughs> what do the kids say, Rob? Oh, brother. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, boy, let's just cut this. <laughs> <laughs> M. Deuce has that fire we've been looking for. Uh, that's, yeah, what that's, there you go. that's what it says right there on his own page. So big shout to him. Uh, his Oregon State Beavers getting a big win. I know he was in the house for that one. I saw a lot of videos on Facebook. And uh, just another reminder, uh, please hit us up. Leave us a review. Subscribe. Uh, we want to see these numbers keep going up. So that wraps it up this week. We'll be back with another episode next week and uh, perhaps a bonus interview later on the week if anybody will return our phone calls. Uh, thanks a lot for listening.